Hi, ladies. I'm Dr. Brooke, and welcome to the Women's Strong Podcast. Women's Strong is an online women's wellness program that covers the foundations of health through lessons, exercises, daily challenges, and live interviews with female experts on a variety of health topics. Women Strong also provides a supportive community of like-minded ladies who encourage one another toward improved health and vitality. This podcast is a collection of excerpts from some of our Women Strong live interviews. We are so grateful to all of our experts for sharing their wisdom with our community. These strong women have taught us so much, and we're thrilled to share their expertise and wellness tips through this podcast. If you'd like to hear the complete interviews, or if you'd like to be present on these live Zoom calls with our experts, then sign up for the Women Strong membership at womenstrongtogether.com. We can't wait to meet you and begin supporting you on your wellness journey. Hi, everyone. In this episode, I have the pleasure of chatting with one of my oldest and dearest friends and mentors, Nancy Martin. Nancy is a phenomenal woman. She is a competitive athlete, a mother and grandmother, an author, an activist. She was a professor. She's a former senior Olympic champion. And currently, Nancy is the oldest woman competing in the sport of paddleball. Nancy shares so many inspiring and interesting stories with us during this interview. She shares her contagious passion for sports and fitness and the positive impact both emotionally and physically that sports and fitness has had on her health and wellness. Nancy also shares about her current exercise program while she's staying at home in California during the pandemic. Nancy, you are incredible. Thank you so much for speaking with me and our community and sharing your love and passion for fitness with all of us. Hi, Brooke. (laughs) So good to see you. (laughs) And thank you for taking time out to be with us today. So let me tell, let me tell all of our ladies why I asked you to come in as one of our female experts. So Nancy is one of my oldest and dearest exercise and movement and sports partners. And you know, one of our realms or foundations for wellness in the Women's Strong program is exercise and movement. And I want to tell all of our viewers and listeners and members in Women's Strong about when I met Nancy. (laughs) So this goes way back over 20 years ago. I was straight out of college and I was managing a fitness center. And Nancy into that gym and I'm going to have to ask Nancy to tell us how old she is now and how tall she is not to give anything away sorry I know those are very nosy and maybe inappropriate questions to ask a lady 
but we're going to have to cover it. So she comes into this fitness center that I'm managing and she had just summited a huge peak for a big birthday. This is over 20 years ago. She had just summited a huge peak in Nepal for a big That's birthday. Right. Yes. And you were telling me about it. And then you went right into the racquetball court with men twice your height. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Looked their butts. <laughs> were an absolute inspiration to me when I first met you. And still, and you are one of the most active women I know, and especially for your age group, which I think we'll get to. But you, you know, you are amazing because I'll let you introduce yourself, but I just have to sing your praises. You are a mother. You are a female athlete. You were an activist. You were an author and a professor. I mean, you are a Renaissance woman. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But I just adore you. And that's why I wanted you to come talk to our community just about being a woman, being a female athlete. So enough of my babbling. I want to give it to you. Introduce yourself a little bit and talk to us about yourself. You know what's so interesting that Dr. Brooke contacted me Um, right when I was uh, typing an autobiography that I wrote in 1980. And the autobiography shows how I got myself up off the couch and realized I couldn't run one block. And the only reason I started jogging in, let's see, this would have been 1970. I had just given birth to my fourth child. I never saw my husband. He was always busy and everything. And I said, okay, if I've got to go out running, Dr. Cooper's book had just come out on the market of how, uh, what an aerobic exercise, how good running was for you. And we walked across the street to the park. It was only across the street. I said, kids, just wait. Mom will be right back. And I started running around the field, and I thought I was going to have a cardiac arrest. I was sure at 30 years old that there was going to be a newspaper headline that said, Mother found dead on the track while her children are waiting for her to come home. And even though um, when I went to grammar school, I was the fastest girl in the school, but then you meet boys in college, you know, you have gym. Uh, During the 20s, I was busy having babies. I played a little volleyball. And um, I always loved that sport because I could never spike the ball. I was 4'10 and a half, but I would always be able to set the ball up for the spiker. But there were no sports for women. There was no such thing as a female athlete. And when I went to run, and I couldn't breathe the, the impetus for wanting to be healthier was that I had four babies under the age of eight. And if something happened to me, who was going to take care of them? So, but the problem is I lived in Seattle. And so I got my running up where I thought, I'm doing great. I'm running a mile. I went out every day. I would take my six-month-old and put her in the field and run around her, she started to cry. And I thought, this is so unfair. 
<laughs> I want to run. What am I supposed to do with my baby? Can't she see that I'm just trying to run? But I got it together, and I wrote this in the book. The worst three, the, the worst three words that I could say, and the rains came. You're living in Seattle. When it rains, you can't run. I was beside myself. I tried to run in the house. Um, you know, I, I didn't know what to do. I, I had to just take off of running. And I realized, now that I had gotten physically fit, I could never take off, uh, put exercise out of my daily regimen. And I got myself up to three miles. And I thought, hurrah. Subsequently, to your audience, I used to, I ended up running half marathons and I ran a marathon and whatnot. But at that time, they didn't have running shoes. I mean, you have to go back to 1980. You were kids. And I started to get pains in the, my legs and it turned out I had shin splints. And so the person at the recreation center said, well, there's another sport, I, you know, that you could try. I didn't know what to do. I couldn't run. And it, it kind of shows you naivete of women in 1980. <laughs> Nobody said, hey, why don't you go see a sports medicine doctor? I don't even think they existed around then. And he said, there's a new game called racquetball. And I started to play racquetball. Now, I met Dr. Brooke in 1999. But by the time I met her, I had been playing racquetball from 1973 up until 1999. And I had, I fell in love with the sport. I mean, it really became part of my life. Um, and I had the children all in certain classes at the recreation center while I would play my one hour of racquetball. And so running and racquetball became a daily regimen. And life throws you certain curves, and I ended up getting divorced and moving to California, and uh, where I remarried after 10 years, and that's when I got into hiking. So when you saw me, 1999, we climbed Mount Whitney, the highest peak in America that year. And then we, we did that in um, June, or let's see, July, and then we went to Nepal in um, October. So by then I had looked at myself as just this full-fledged athlete. And what's so interesting is I grew up when, when you were told women weren't supposed to sweat. And for me to get into the sport of racquetball and confront men that believed women weren't supposed to sweat, it was a real activist move. I think that's kind of how I see it. I was getting better and better, and I was at the top of the challenge ladder, and I would walk in for the next game, and my name would be taken down and put at the bottom. They didn't want to see a woman's name at the top of the challenge ladder. And those same men that did that, I never told you that. Oh, I have an article that I published in five magazines called How Men Can Be Beaten. I mean, this is not going to be a diatribe, <laughs> you know, against male athletes. But clearly a woman walking into a male athletic arena is not to be taken lightly. And 
men don't like women competitors when they have to compete against them, particularly if the woman wins. And so it got to the point where I got, such, got to be such a good racquetball player that I wouldn't play those same men that were taking my name off the ladder. And when I moved to California, it was, um, well, the sport had been around a little bit longer. Um, but I became friends with a lot of the professional racquetball athletes. And it was a whole nother ball game in California. Attitudes were much more egalitarian, you know. And so um, sports, from that day, I went out jogging across the street after giving birth to my daughter, who's now 50 years old, <laughs> um, working out, doing something every day has become a lifestyle. So you're waiting for me to say how old I am. I'm 80 years old. I just turned 80 this year. And um, the only reason I haven't hiked, I haven't hiked in the past couple of years is I had a bad knee. Eventually, who knows if it's the sports that get to your joints, if it's aging, I'm sure it is. But my knee, I really hurt my knee in a yoga class. <laughs> so I'm just a little problem. Um, I do yoga every day, but I have a little problem with um, teachers not always knowing the limits of their class, but that was back in um, that was back in 1999 when I first met you. I had raced for 25 years, and one day I said, "I'd rather go hike. I'm done running." And um, so I just my regimen now is uh, well before coronavirus. Um, oh well, I probably should say. Because of Dr. Brooke, I am in a newer, another sport that's become a passion of myself and the people I play with. Racquetball got to be too easy. We knew where the ball was going to be. And Dr. Brooke said, Nancy, there's a new sport out there called paddleball. And I thought, well, what have I got to lose? I'll go in the court with Dr. Brooke who subsequently became my partner in the tournaments that we entered. And she's being modest, but she happens to be a national winner in paddleball <laughs> for her age group. And so uh, Dr. Brooke and I started playing paddleball together. It's in a racquetball court, but the ball doesn't bounce and the paddle is heavier. So it's a much greater demand on your physical fitness because you have to run to the ball. And over the years, all of our us aging athletes have joint problems, usually in our knee. And um, it was a great uh, cross-training program to play paddleball and to hike. And then when I realized two years ago that hiking was gonna be a problem, I knew the time had come that I would have to get a knee replacement, which I did last September. And, um, but both knees went, <laughs> so now I'm just waiting. It hasn't stopped me from playing ball. And after my knee replacement, um, it was easier on the court to lunge for the ball. 
but you have two legs when you're trying to run for the ball. So I'm going to have to figure out what to do for this left leg. But I live in a hill. I actually live on what's called Soledad Mountain. So the coronavirus has not really jeopardized my physical fitness routine. Um, four times a week, I will climb the mountain for about 100 minutes. I'm out there. I pretend I'm hiking. And, and they just opened up the hiking trails off of the canyon. But I thought, what am I going to do on the days that I don't play, you know, that I would be scheduled to play paddleball? And it dawned on me, I had to face that possibility that if my knee hadn't healed as well as it did, what would be my alternative? I love jitterbugging. Jitterbugging is like the best. I still do it when I go to weddings. And so I put on 50s music and I set my um, timer for 30 minutes and I jitterbug around this office that you haven't seen. I will not stop for 30 minutes. And, and the reason I do that is I will eventually go back to the court. They will open the gym. And I want my um, feet to be fast moving. Because when I went to PT, you do what the football players do. You jump the little, you know, you're running really fast. I don't want to lose that um, flexibility in my foot motion. I want them to be able to you know, when you play paddleball, you have to jump off the dime and go for that ball. It's not going to come to you. <laughs> you're going to have to run to it. And then um, if you're asking about my physical training, um, I do weight resistance three times a week. I do yoga every day. And on Sundays, I do a longer yoga session. It's much easier when I do my own yoga uh, because I'm not going to hurt myself. <laughs> and um, I'm looking forward to going back to hiking. I really am. Yeah. Can you tell us what that regimen, you know, why it's such a priority in your life for physical and mental well-being and what sports and athletics and remaining active, what you feel it has done for you, for your life? I wish I could read you when I first, uh, I, I didn't realize you were going to ask me that, and I've written about it. Um, it just changed me as a woman, as a human being. Um, I just felt, you, we were told in the 70s, 60s, late 60s, don't trust anyone over 30. So here I gave birth to my last baby at 29 years old and turned 30 two weeks later. And I thought, I'm over the hill. That's literally what the culture was telling you. You're over the hill. And that's just when I started jogging. And all of a sudden, I was resurrected. Not only was I not over the hill, and how women buy into those myths is totally beyond me. And we could talk a whole nother session about what I think about a patriarchy and making women believe that they shouldn't be athletes and they shouldn't be physically fit. Well, when I started to run, I just started to feel better immediately, all over, mentally, physically. I slept better. I looked better. I was literally walking, looking down at the ground like this because I just felt I had no presence. And when I started uh, running at, and started physical activity, everything lifted. 
And I was able to then start exploring not only my physical well-being, but my mental well-being. And I was able to challenge a number of these myths that told you what you're supposed to do as a woman, as a woman, they were ridiculous. They were absolutely ridiculous. At the same time, I did go back to school in psychology. <laughs> I had had a master's in literature by then. <laughs> I taught college, but I thought, I always wondered if I went um, back to school to find out about myself, or, but I've always been interested in psychology. And that journey of re-education and of a physical regimen just opened up all sorts of avenues. And I, I do remember that once I felt so physically uh, well, there was nothing the matter with me, but it's just a whole lift to your whole life when you start to um, maintain a daily physical fitness regimen. I wasn't going to let anybody take that away from me. It was as important as brushing your teeth, as eating. It just becomes part of who you are. And then the challenge became what kind of variety, you know, could we add? Uh, do you want to do the same thing all the time? What makes it more interesting? What makes it more challenging? The one thing is when you participate in a game, it's just always fun. It's always been hard for me to go to the gym and do the bicycle, which I did with my bad knee. I hate to tell you, I did the elliptical. I did the stair stepper. Oh, I saw a lot of um, series, TV series on my iPad while I was doing that. There's something when you participate with other people, whether it's a one-to-one -one or you know, a whole community, that you just have fun. And I think that's what physical fitness did for me. It was fun to get up every day and look forward to the challenge. Um, it's just a part of life, you know. Why would anybody not take care of themselves when they're younger? Because as an older person, I really see the debilitation that's taken place. The lack of knowledge you know, of taking care of a body. And that's why I think your program, what you're trying to do to uh, communicate to women and inform women that what you do when you're 20 and 30 are going to have amazing repercussions when you become 70 or 80. I don't think that we get the luxury of not paying attention to our health whether you're single or whether you're, you know, a mother. And I think ultimately, I always knew if I didn't take care of myself, how would I be as a parent? If I didn't take care of myself, how, was I be, how would I be as a professor? How would I be as a wife? It's unfair to other people in your life that love you to not take care of yourself. And not that I'm a grandmother, I certainly want to take care of myself or my grandchildren. You know, you've touched on so many big points of our program, you know, because we, we go at women's health from a holistic approach. So we have our 
mental, emotional health section, our physical health section, our exercise and movement section, our self-care section. You touched on so many of those topics. And I just see that in your life, and that was part of why you were instantly such a great friend and mentor to me was because I saw that the exercise and movement piece really was your core, was your primary health approach. And it trickled into all of these areas, into self-confidence, into work-life balance, into being your best self, taking care of yourself so that you can be your best self for the people that you love in your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. So and you know, the greatest thing is the empowerment of your voice. I just feel that women lose their voice. And it's so evident to me when I see what I've written, where I started, um, and where I've come. And women have a strong voice, and it just gets stronger when you empower yourself physically, you know, and you just feel better. I love that. If you liked this episode, please share it with others. And if you have time, please rate us or leave a comment. If you'd like to give us feedback or request any topics to be covered in future podcasts, we'd love to hear from you at support at womenstrongtogether.com. Big thanks to Jordan Frankly Speaking Schneider for doing our music. Another big thanks to our Women Strong experts for taking the time to share their wisdom with our ladies. If you want to join our supportive community and participate in live interviews like this one in the future, sign up for the Women Strong membership at womenstrongtogether.com. Until next time, this is Dr. Brooke from Women Strong, wishing you health, vitality, and the strength to continue evolving into your best self.